Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil here with the Tutor Podcast. Welcome you to another blast of uncommon sense for people in the tutoring, teaching and coaching business. Now, do remember, I'm always eager to hear from you, your stories, your insights, as well as your questions and problems. Just send them to info at neilcamino.com or find me on Twitter. It's just at Tutor Podcast. Right, let's get cracking with episode 65, Rethinking Rejection. Now, unless you live on Pluto or Uranus, let's face it, who doesn't love that gag? You'll have some kind of rejection, whether it's no-shows or students quitting, not getting hired by new prospects, parents who seesaw don't hire you, even though the kids think you're fantastic. You're not getting hired into institutions if you do peripatetic work or you corporates. Uh, you get troubled by telephone tire kickers and there's always email inquiries that don't get back to you. Now, this can really knock your duck off from time to time. So I think it's a nice idea to just look at it for what it is, hold it up to the light, examine it and scoff at it because it's very easy to turn it inwards and make it poisonous. If you are fragile, your ego can take a real battering and it can generally just darken your mood. So just remember, everyone suffers from rejection and how you respond to it is entirely your choice. What I found over the 20 years I've been tutoring is it, it's not really personal unless you are a complete head case, nut job, whatever you want to call it. It's usually not a personal thing. Now, what it often means is they're just not a good fit for what you do. That the your values, your approach, and their values and their approach, their perception of you just don't line up. It's like having a nut and a bolt that are different threads. And oftentimes it's for the best that you don't end up with people who are a mismatch for you. So bear in mind that if you can recognize that, you can evoke a more positive response in yourself and in the person who isn't going to be your student and reframe the situation for being something that's all about you, not being good enough, yada, 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 and refocus yourself on the long-term aspect of it, how you're going to grow your business. Because I believe that unless your back is right against the wall and you're struggling to make a decent living, then a single rejection is, is not make or break. What I think it's important to do, though, is look for patterns. If you're getting the same problems again and again and again, look to yourself because it might be a deficit in you, your skill set, your communication, your styles, your presentation, your business model. Look for the patterns. Analyze what was said, what was not said, and the context of the exchange that you had when someone told you they were not going to continue or they weren't going to hire you. Because this is a valuable chance to learn and adapt what you do. So I've thrown together a little list of some possible responses to people who don't want to work with you. So I'll start with the no-shows. These are the people who book a session and don't show up. 
I have a rule, as many of you know, DDWT, which I credit to Peter Thompson. Um, Pete says, DDWT, don't deal with tossers. Now, this is such a great rule. Essentially, when people book a lesson, don't show up, they're tagging themselves as tossers. This is one of the reasons I always mention that that is the ground rule for our interaction as student and teacher. I will not deal with tossers. I don't expect them to. And if they ask me what a tosser is, I'll say, well, it's the sort of person who doesn't show up, doesn't play when they're at home. I'll use that to frame what I want them to do. So if you get a lot of no-shows, just make a note so you can avoid them. Or not. You know, if they try to book lessons in the future, then remind them that that rule applies and they will be charged if they don't show up. Now, when students quit, just recognise the fact it happens. Every single tutor I know moans about this. But maybe we should all recognise the students' priorities are unlikely to be the same as our priorities. Just tell them you'll be sad to see them go. You'd be happy to pick up the trail in the future, as soon as they're ready to resume lessons. Usually a good idea to ask about why they are stepping back from um, lessons at the moment, because there's usually a very good reason why. I mean, I spoke yesterday with a student who messaged me to say he wasn't going to continue with his guitar lessons. Naturally, I just called him to make sure he was okay and that he knew that he'd be welcome when he decided to resume his lessons. Now, it turned out he was going through a marriage breakup and needed a time to decorate the flat he was moving into. Now, his reason for putting lessons on hold was massively important to him. Um, will he resume lessons? I don't honestly know. But I do know that he's aware I'll be happy to work with him again when he's ready. Now, if I hadn't made that phone call to follow up and find out what his motivations were and to let him know he'd be welcome back, he would have just been a dead end. So it's always worth a phone call. Now, likewise, when you don't get hired by a new prospect, try and find out why. It could be that they recognise they're not a good fit for your approach. That means that you can eliminate them from your inquiries and not waste time trying to bring them into the schedule. You can still remain open to working with them in the future. Remember, you're going to be working on your terms. Always ask them for feedback. Was there anything that was unclear which, if it was clear to them, would make not working with you just unthinkable? The same rules apply really with parents. You could get on like a house on fire with a kid, but the parents just go, nah. And this does happen. My experience with this is that it's usually a question of logistics and schedules. Mom and Dad's taxi service is usually working flat out if there's more than one child involved. So you have to recognise that they've got lives too. And if you can't work the schedule to get everything to mesh, get everything to line up, then there is the chance of not getting hired or them stepping back from lessons. It's rarely a cost issue. Occasionally it shows up but it's a smokescreen. There's usually an underlying problem because it's almost never about money where kids are involved. At any time this raises its head, you can knock it on the head completely with one simple question, and it's this. You can have cheap, or you can have good. What would you like your child to have? And then shut up and listen. It's a very powerful question that you can use to just eliminate cost completely. So, 
Moving on, let's look at when you don't get hired by institutions like schools and colleges, even some corporates. Now, I've been a peripatetic teacher and I decided to quit that part of my work because it made no sense to me to continue with it as I was building my property portfolio and I was very busy with that, viewing properties, arranging finance, sorting out deals, marketing and the like. I'm still doing that. But what I realised part of the way through the the conflict zone between working in four schools at the time and my private work and writing and building the property business was that institutions are only one possible revenue stream. There are opportunity costs in pursuing anything. And schools to me it just didn't make sense anymore because the op cost was that I couldn't build the property portfolio if I was still carrying on with the school work. Now, other aspects of working inside of the institutions, particularly schools, was that they would try to tell me what they wanted me to teach, and that didn't work for me. I like to do it my way because it produces better results than traditional grade-based work. Granted, it's not going to give you a piece of paper with grade whatever it is on it. That's not how I roll. I teach people to play, not to pass exams. I teach them how to love making music and be creative, not to dogmatically read the tabs or the dots, because I'm not really into academic hoop jumping myself. I'm here to infect other people with my love affair with playing guitar. That's my take on it. People know what they're getting. I'm not pulling anybody's leg about it or deceiving anyone. The thing that really drove me crazy about schools was paperwork. They always wanted paperwork. And to be honest, I was always at the mercy of the school's timetable. There were other downsides to working off-site for me as well. So I've spoken before about traveling to and from a client's places or having a set place of business for yourself. Traveling time. What a pain in the neck. And it's dead time. You've got to run the car, insure the car, there's wear and tear, you've got gear getting in and out, you're going to be breaking things. And when you get to your destination, you've got to set up. Before you leave, you've got to take it all back down again and load the car. It's just a complete waste of time. And when, of course, you put that time into the equation as to how much you're getting paid per hour, let's say you're getting paid 50 quid an hour to teach, and you've got two hours teaching, that's 100 quid. But if it takes you 40 minutes to get there and 40 minutes to get back, that hourly raise has just dropped through the floor. The other thing about teaching in schools is it's term time only. It's sporadic. That means that during the summer, you've got a bit of a famine. But during term time, maybe it's a feast. Now, I think it's better to have a regular year-round client base of private students because then my income, my revenue, is going to be much more under my control It'll be more even throughout the year. It also means that I don't have the frustration of all the holiday drop back. When the kids came back into schools, almost every single one of them had pretty much put the guitar in the corner and forgotten about it while they went on family holidays, ran around like headless chickens with their mates and got themselves into all sorts of trouble. Once again, the school side of things has a downside. Uh, last of all, these resentful students who've been put there the disruptive ones who don't want to be in class sometimes got put into guitar lessons to give the teachers a break. 
So it ended up with resentful students as well as the usual gaggle of resentful teachers. And on a purely observational level, almost every school I went to, when I went to grab a cup of coffee in the staff room, it was a massively negative place with an awful lot of pissed off teachers moaning about things. Now, I don't know if that's an isolated thing. If anyone else has got experience of that, I would love to hear from you because I can't believe it's a localised phenomenon. Not only that, all the downsides there of the schoolwork was getting paid, raising invoices, chasing after payments. Uh, some schools allowed me to invoice the school and they would take care of everything. That was wonderful. For some schools, I had to raise invoices for individual payments from parents. And some of them just didn't pay. So I ended up with bad debt. The only bad debts I've ever had in my business, apart from one person, once, who stiffed me for 30 quid. And honestly, he's gone bent for 30 quid. His life's got more problems than not being able to play guitar. So for me, not getting hired into schools, maybe not a, a bad thing after all. And then there are the telephone tie kickers. I love these guys. They're mostly price-driven commodity consumers. Don't be a commodity. Anytime you're competing on price, you're just losing the plot, in my opinion. Remember, position yourself as the definitive item, the go-to guy that anyone else would be mental as a choice for education. And again, use that great question. You can have cheap or you can have good. What do you want? If it doesn't work out and they don't book in, remember, it's only a phone call. So you maybe eliminate them from your inquiries in a few minutes and spend a, instead of spending hours with them before you realise they're actually tossers and would have fallen under the DDWT rule. Likewise, email inquiries that just don't get back to you. Relax. There's only an email. Apply the DDWT rule. Don't deal with tossers. Respond to them politely. If you want to, send a follow-up email to verify they received the first response. What was it they needed clarifying before booking the lesson? Was it free, paid, perhaps with a, a link even to your opt-in page, your lead magnet product if you have one, social media groups, etc. If you can, recruit them as a prospect. Get the contact details. Now, I suppose you gather the overall impression that my take on rejection is it's usually not personal. Uh, because, let's frankly, none of us is universally appealing. I would say, I'm not everybody's bag of chips. And if they say no, it's only no at the moment. So generally speaking, I will keep the door open unless they are complete tossers and I don't want to deal with them in the future. It's you know, always a good chance to find out more about the business. Why would anybody pass up the opportunity to work with me, given that to hire anybody else would be risky foolhardy or just plain stupid why would anybody do that so i guess that all in all we've really kicked rejection into touch haven't we you know, we all get it how you respond to it how you respond to it is probably different than me but it's always up to us we can get hurt by it and take it personally and learn to fear rejection or we can learn from it and recognize it as a natural consequence of being in a tutoring business you know if you're in the game there's a price and sometimes your ego might take a bit of a knock but at the end of the day rejection is just one of those things i always say it's like money it's impersonal and neutral 
and what we choose to think and feel about it is entirely up to us. So how do you deal with rejection? You've got a better way than me? I would love to hear about it. If any of this stuff works for you, if it helps you to deal with that knockback, then just drop me an email, say hello. I always love to hear from people. So if you've got any comments, questions or problems, just get in touch. It's info neilcamado.com. So that's about all we've got time for today. So join me, Neil Camado, on the next fun-packed episode of the Tudor Podcast, where I'll be busting myths, stripping the fact from the fiction, breaking it all down to the bare bones of how to start, grow and love your tutoring business and hopefully stay sane in the process. Have a fabulous day. Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow and love their tutoring businesses.